Welcome to the Circle Sessions featuring the Circle of Experts. The Circle of Experts are Yasmin Robles from Robles Designs, Tanisha English Amamu of TJE Communications, and Don the Idea Guy. I'm Brett Johnson from Circle 270 Media Podcast Consultants. Each week, one of the Circle of Experts joins me to talk about critical aspects of growing your podcast. We focus on marketing, social media, monetization, and website design, and the implementation of all of these. Our featured expert this week is Yasmin. Yasmin works alongside clients to design a website that's driven by strategy, looks amazing, and that you can actually use to grow your business, and in this case, your podcast. Thanks for joining me, Yasmin. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I know there's going to be a ton of mistakes that DIYs creating their website, yours, your, myself included, uh, because I started off that way and I advised my wife to do the same of just, I, I think there's some pieces to that of doing it yourself. You understand the nuances and the heavy lift of creating a website and it does make it easier to bring in a professional, but let's talk about those mistakes DIYers make that you're going to make. It's just going to happen and, and, and realize that this is the reason you work with a professional to, to create a, a, a website. Um, so let's talk about that build out. <laughs> what are the mistakes that you're going to make? Yeah. So use the biggest mistake that people, well, right off the bat, the biggest mistake is never actually launching your website and, or your mm -hmm. podcast for that matter. Mm -hmm. And it's better to launch it no matter what it looks like than to, um, never do that at all. Mm -hmm. But you can do that, uh, in a very smart way by not jumping into the official build out of the website immediately. And the reason I say don't just go in and build it. So if you said, oh, I'm going to just, I found out about Squarespace. I'm just going to build it on Squarespace. Avoid doing that and really make sure you have a plan instead of jumping in. You need to at least have a sitemap or a wireframe. And these can all literally be as ugly as you want on the back of a napkin, on the back of your kid's homework, whatever it is. But just kind of sketch out what a page will look like and what pages you need. And it, all a sitemap is is really a list of pages and their hierarchy when it comes to your website. Just have that as a plan and then really research the platforms out there. Don't just go with the first ad that you got on a YouTube video that you were watching. Make sure you research the support that they provide. Is it through chat? Is it through phone, through email? Does it even matter for you? Do you prefer a chat support versus having to call someone? I know that sometimes I do because I'm working on websites that at late at night and I prefer that chat versus having to pick up the phone in the middle of the night. Do they offer support with certain things that break down? Because some hosting companies, they will offer support on the very basics of the website, but they won't really get into the nitty gritty of your, for example, WordPress site. And they will charge you a heck ton of like a lot of the money just to be able to go in there and tell you what's wrong. So make sure that they support with certain things that could break down on the website. And then some platforms are on a tier level especially like Wix and Squarespace. So look at those tier levels and see if they work for your business. And when you need to level up, is it going to be worth it? I know some clients are on certain platforms that offer tier levels, and then they find out that they're paying so much money now that they've upgraded three times than they would have if they would have just chosen a different platform. So kind of keep those in mind um, and just make sure that you have the right support when it comes to those platforms. 
And when you're DIYing it, don't just get any free template uh, or theme, depending on the platform, that's what they call them. And these are basically pre-built systems for a website. They're great. They get your website up and running a lot faster than just going from scratch. But you want to make sure that they're paid because you want to know that there's support behind them, that people actually are making a living off of this and they will be paying attention to any updates that are coming down the pipeline for WordPress or Squarespace, uh, etc. So research the support that each of these themes or templates provides. I would avoid any theme or template that does not offer at least, I would say, three or six months of support after you have purchased it. There are some out there like Avada, Divi, and they all offer a different level of support. Make sure you read up on that because if something breaks, you want to make sure that you have someone that you can go to. Then look at the reviews. Look to see if people are not as happy with that theme or template and look to see if they have mentioned about how hard it is to implement or if it is really easy to implement but the support that they got wasn't that great and then see what features they have on these themes or templates because you could purchase one that has tons of sliders and a lot of animations but you actually don't need it and you probably won't need it for a long time on your website. So there's no point in buying this whole entire package when you only need a very small one to start off with. And how widely is it used? And the reason I ask this last one in particular is because once you're ready to level up and you are done with being a do-it-yourselfer and you want to go with an agency to help you out or even a freelancer, they will ask you what template or theme you are on. If you are using one that nobody has ever heard of, it's harder for them and will take more hours, more time, and more money for them to figure out how to fix something on there than it would for something that's widely used. And for WordPress, the widely used ones are typically um, Elementor, Divi, Avada. Those are usually the, the themes that are more known. And so a WordPress developer will more easily understand how to support you with those. But if it's something that only, you know, it was free and didn't uh, come with a lot of bells and whistles, but nobody has ever heard of it, it might be harder for them to come and help you later on. Yeah. And, and also something that popped in my mind, too, this should be a gimme, but I, I've seen some templates and themes not be mobile friendly. Yes. So that is usually also the free ones. Yeah. You want to make sure that they you're looking for samples of their sites that the sites that have used those themes or templates and look at them in a mobile format to make sure that they or if they offer it, sometimes they will list out the features and they will say, you know, mobile optimized and look to see specifically and they use different terminology. But for example, on Avada or even Divi, you can turn things on and off on mobile or rearrange them for mobile. So sometimes when I build something out on desktop, it looks amazing. And then on mobile, I'll have to rearrange where the image is just so that it doesn't look off. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure you have those capabilities. Yeah. Talk about and explain the hero section. What is a hero section? I hear this a lot too, and I, I don't have my mind grasped around it. But And then talk about those pieces of not thinking about the, what the hero section should do for you. 
Yeah. So the hero section is essentially the topmost area of the page. It's what really loads first before you even scroll. It's what you see on a website. And depending on the style of your site, it could be heavier on the text. I've had some clients who just want the headline in a very snazzy, unique font on there. And I've had others who want a little bit more of a photo, uh, more eye candy. Some people want a uh, certain JavaScript edits to be placed on there, like like uh, graphics moving out of the way when you start scrolling. Hmm. So the hero section, though, should be the place where, that the user understands what this page is about. If it's on the homepage, it gives the user an idea of who you are, what you do, and who you do it for. So for example, I believe on mine, I have some sort of iteration of websites for entrepreneurs hellbent on taking over the world. So I'm telling you, I create websites, it's for entrepreneurs, and I wrote the hellbent on taking over the world because if that appeals to you, you're my person. Now, if I just said something like websites for people in Columbus, Ohio, or for entrepreneurs in Columbus, Ohio, it would mean websites for almost any sort of business, but I'm focusing it on local businesses in Columbus, Ohio. And it's a different wording. So just focus on what you're putting on that top section of the page. Okay. And the analytics, of course. <laughs> I mean, that that's a whole episode in itself, of course. But I, I think um, you build it, you got to know how people are reacting to it. Traffic coming in. Let's, let's look a little bit about that. Yeah, so a lot of do-it-yourselfers, it's great because you are learning the ins and outs and you're learning a little bit about what it takes to build out a website and you're on a budget and you're wearing all these hats and I, you guys are doing a great job. But one of the things that you guys keep forgetting to add to your site, which will not necessarily be wrong right now, but later on you're going to wish you had it, is analytics. And this is the traffic that's coming in, the keywords that are co you're coming up for, and there's a lot of other things. Like You can even record people on the site on certain pages and see what they were doing there. You don't know who they are, but you can see what these users were doing and where they got stuck or where they left the site or how far they scrolled. You can also see things like a heat map, which is basically, you could call it like a screenshot of your page. And the, the more red the color is, it's the more likely it got clicked on, the more, the more percentage of clicks that it got. So these things can help you understand what your users are doing and how your website is essentially helping the user go through the, their journey. So if you're looking at your traffic and you're saying, wow, last month I got featured in XYZ Magazine, I got tons of traffic, but nobody filled out the contact form. Now you can dive deeper into the traffic and see, okay, where did they come from? Was it from the magazine? What did they do? Did they just come to the homepage and leave again? So they bounced off the site? Or did they go through the site and decide not to contact me? Now you can look at is it your messaging? Is it the magazine that was not necessarily for your audience? So they weren't interested in your offerings? Um, just think of it that way for the analytics. And the reason I say install it now, even if you don't look for it, is because later on in a year or two when you're looking for stats because you're ready to redo your website, you're going to want to have something to compare it to. You're going to want to have something to really look at, some numbers, some data, some nerdy stuff to look at mm -hmm. in order to make decisions for this new website.
Lots of conversations I have with uh, my new clients and, and 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 current clients is that is that branding, and uh, you know my businesses I work with either you know look at it as a, their podcast as a brand extension, so they use their their logo. They, it's the color scheme and such. But some are they want this podcast to be actually somewhat separate of the business and it, and it works toward back to the business, but it still comes down to brand and not being consistent with that brand. I, touch upon that because the branding is so important. Podcasters sometimes don't get that at all. They just like, oh, I love this thumbnail artwork and we're going to go with it. But there's a whole lot more to it because of branding. And, 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 and a lot of people are just aren't into marketing. They don't understand how a brand affects us <laughs> and affects the website development. Yeah. So it depends on the podcast and the goal that you have for the podcast, I would say, or anything in your business, really. I have uh, clients who have a separate blog. They don't have a podcast yet, but they have a blog and they their separate blog is branded similarly to that of their website. Um, if you have a podcast and the podcast is going to lead to back to your service-based business, so let's say you have a podcast for lawyers and your website is all about lawyers, your branding might need to be similar. If it's something that is complete, you want to eventually spin it off of your site, you want it to be its own thing, it's fine to have a slightly different color scheme and branding overall. But essentially, you want to start off with knowing your colors before you dive into creating your website. You want to understand what the role of each color is. So for example, whether it's for just a podcast thumbnail or for your website overall, you want to know that the color pink is going to be a only for headlines. So that's where you're going to use it. That's its job. That's where it's going to live. If you have a deep green on there, on your color, on your brand palette, maybe the deep green is only going to be used for backgrounds and it's going to be overall, that's, that's its role. That's its job. So you want to make sure that you have your colors and each color has a job and that you stick to that because what can tend to happen is that you say, oh yeah, I have pink in my marketing. I can totally just go out there and pick a different pink and put it in my brochure or put it on my website or put it on my uh, podcast thumbnail and it's going to look great but for a user it's it's off right it's they can't it's hard for them to recognize you if you're using a different symbol if you're using a different color on your thumbnail for your podcast versus your the color scheme on your website so know which colors you want to use and what each one each role each of them has mm-hmm. um, on your website. Yeah, I think you underestimate um, the, the the viewer and the listener, especially the viewer, of course, with the, with the look and the color. That it, it kind of shocks your brain. You kind of wonder, am I in the right place? It's subconsciously doing it, but there's that ease into the same color scheme that needs to be there. Yeah, it, it definitely shocks them. Sometimes it's so different that they do a double take and they're like, "Wait, am mm-hmm. I really?" Did I just click a link and go somewhere else where I wasn't supposed to? Uh, make sure that your colors are consistent throughout your brand because it can be a little off-putting. And really, and if you're charging big bucks for advertisements on your podcast or anything like that, you want to look professional and you want to look consistent. And that's one of the things that they'll say, why are they charging me so much for advertisements on their podcast if obviously they, their consistency is not that great? 
Yeah, exactly. And that goes right into fonts as well, too. I, I Fonts are amazing to me, just the nuances of when you're trying to t- create something. It's like, oh, my gosh, what does each font mean? But you, you're right. Keeping it simple with fonts, go into that. Yeah, so fonts, as a designer, I love fonts. I love looking at them. If I could, I would change the fonts on my own website every single month. But ideally, you want to keep it to just three fonts max, and you don't want to be switching them around all the time. And you want this to be consistent on social media, on for example, your podcast thumbnail, on your website, on your brochures, you want it to all be consistent. And each font has a job. Now for fonts, you also want to think about readability, because you can have a beautiful script font that looks great when it's really large. But when it's very small, it can be very hard to read. And so that one, I would say, give it the job of headline, you can you only use that font when it's a main headline. And you could have a what I call plain Jane font. So the plain Jane is like Arial or Montserrat, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, these are plain fonts that can be used for body copy on your website, very small text. They're easy to read. You can make them bold if you need to. And just again, assign it a job. Make sure that you have a headline for your main, he- a font for your main headlines, a font for your subheadlines, and then the body copy font, and use them evenly and consistently throughout every marketing material that you create. All right, images are important too. Um, this look of the images and such. Go into that a little bit as well. That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, like just with fonts, just like fonts, uh, I want to switch out my imagery all the time. But if you're going to be DIYing your website, I'm not sure if you are going to have branded images or if you're going to have stock images. Either way, you want to make sure that they are consistent. If you're going the stock image route, make sure that you are looking through perhaps the same library of images. If they are very light and airy images or very dark with harsh shadows, then you stick to that. You don't want to mix them because again, you want to make sure that your brand is consistent. And when you're mixing those types of images of, for example, people outdoors in the mountains and then some random image of a person in a cubicle, unless that pertains to what's on the website text, it's going to be a little weird. And if you are getting branded images, which I do suggest trying to at least save for some a photographer to get you some headshots or some branded imagery make sure that you are using that photographer consistently as long as they are providing the right images you want Mm -hmm. because their style will also vary the styles will vary from photographer to photographer so some photographers that i love and follow on instagram their style is too dark for my branding. And there's others that are very light and clear. And so those that's what I go with my brand or try to stay with uh, with my brand. But I love the other ones. I just don't mix them up because it's going to create an inconsistency in the branding. All right. And then to your point, the consistency then into your social media. <laughs> I, I, I guess that take it the next step, take it the next step. Talk about that as well. Yeah, so just make sure that your social media or paid ads that are leading to your website are consistent, not just with the colors and fonts, but with the verbiage as well. So if on your paid media, you said something like, hey, (laughs) y'all, 
<laughs> something like that, or you were very casual, then on your website, you also want to be casual. So just keeping in mind the language that you're using. If on social media, you use a lot of bright colors and the people come to your site and it's a lot of muted, neutral tones, it's a little weird. So make sure that your colors are consistent. Again, it's just all about consistency. And honestly, it's going to make your life a lot easier. If you only have to remember three colors, three fonts, and you have a small package of branded images to choose from, that's what you get. That means that your decision making is just so much simpler and you don't have to think about things very far. It also means that you can create templates for these ads, for social media, for your thumbnails, um, anything that you need, you can create templates and all you do is pop in some new text and some new images. That's great. So it just makes your life easier to be consistent with your branding. That's a really good point because all of this is, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, all this work, all this work. I'm not very good at it either. I'm okay, but you know, but it's one of those, oh my, all that work. But then you're right. Once it's all done, this is what you go with. You don't vary mm -hmm. unless you start to change your imagery a little bit, tweak it here or there, but you know, those are the go-tos. It's there in your portfolio, never change it <laughs> and your life will yeah. be easier overall. That makes a lot of sense. That really does. And all that yeah. pain you're gaining. <laughs> so that's a good mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. yeah. That's a ton of information here, I'm, and a lot of it's going to go in our podcast show notes. So don't, don't worry about that, listener. But you know, how else can they get a hold of you, and, and what are they going to get when they go to your website as well? Yeah, you can find me at robustdesigns.com. And if you want to download a freebie, go to robustdesigns.com slash checklist where you can download a PDF and go through your website and make sure that you have everything that your website needs. If you're currently building out your website, that's even better because now you can just put all those meta descriptions, everything that the PDF says, you can apply those to your site. If you want to just catch up with me, you can always message me on Instagram at Robles Design Studio. And if you want me to take a look at your website, I'm happy to give you a, a really quick five-minute review. Uh, message me on Instagram or send me a uh, – fill out my contact form on RoblesDesigns.com and I will help you out. Great. Thanks again, Yasmin. And you know, thanks for joining me on this episode. We're going to be talking again in, in the very near future uh, as part of the Circle of Experts. And, and thank you, listener, for joining us on the Circle Sessions.